On this All Saints Sunday, we remember all of the saints, followers of Jesus, who are a part of God's faculty that have taught us so well in the school of the Spirit. Those who loved us, in whom we loved, and who are no longer on this earth with us. We pause to remember and to give thanks to God for them and their impact on our lives. We pause like Mr. Fred Rogers encouraged us to do, to remember those who always wanted the best for us, who believed in us, who loved us unconditionally. Take a moment right now in your seat or where you're watching or listening, and remember a saint who means so much to you because of their mark on your life. Remember that person who always wanted the best for you. I know you probably miss them. Their words, their touch, their smile, their laughter, their faith, their wisdom, their special pumpkin pie or pot roast, the way they liked their coffee or tea, the way they moved their hands in the air every time they danced. A grandmother, a grandfather, a father, a mother, brother or sister, son or daughter, a cousin, a teacher, a coach, a mentor, a pastor, a, a friend. Remember them as you remember how they made you feel so loved and so special. As Maya Angelou reminded us, you may never remember what someone said or what someone did, but you will never forget how they made you feel. That person you remember is still loved by you. They may be gone, but your love never stops as it flows freely like a river. I mean, this is what happens to St. Augustine in his classic book, Confessions. He writes of when his mother dies at the age of 56 while he was 33 years old. He was by her side when she expired her last breath. He closed her eyes, and he said a great wave of sorrow surged into his heart. He said the tears started to come, but he stemmed the flow, and so the tears dried up. He thought it was more mature to put his sobs in check and not to mark his mother's death in that way, since it wasn't total extinction or misery, since she was a woman of faith. He fought against the wave of emotional sorrow and didn't even shed a tear at her gravesite. But when he woke up the next morning, this is what he said. The tears which I have been holding back streamed down. 
and I let them flow as freely as they would, making of them a pillow for my heart. On them it rested. His heart rests on a pillow of tears. His heart rests on grief. Tears were a pillow for his heart, a pillow for the love he had for his mother. And this is the same thing that happened to Jesus when he learns that his dear friend Lazarus is dead. Mary is distraught, as you heard, Lord, if you had been here, my mother would not, my brother would not have died. It's not just her voice that moves him, but it's what he sees in front of him that grips his heart. Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping. The tears streamed down like Augustine on that day. But weeping is more than tears. It includes wailing and lamentation for the dead. It's an ancient Jewish expression of mourning and grief. Mary weeps, accompanied by perhaps professional mourners who also weep. And Jesus is so deeply moved that he joins the company of suffering and participates in the sorrow of the world, so much so that Jesus began to weep. Or as the King James Version tells us, Jesus wept. This is a very human Jesus. One acquainted with our grief and our sorrow and loss. His tears reveal something else as well because when he began to weep, the onlooking Jews said, see how he loved him? Those words open up a reality that weeping in the life of faith can be a sign of love. Jesus wept as the embodiment of his love for Lazarus, his dear friend who had died. He wasn't just in communal solidarity with Mary and others through his weeping, but he wept because he loved Lazarus. In his book, Lament for a Son, about the tragic death of his 25-year-old son, Eric, Nicholas Volterstorff pens these words. If one was worth loving, one is worth grieving over. Grief is existential testimony to the worth of the one loved. Every lament is a love song. So the weeping of Jesus was a love song for the dead Lazarus. Our weeping for, for those who've, who've died before us is a love song for them. We weep because we love. To lament a loss is to love, reminding us that the call to love is a call to suffer and a call to weep. In the case of Volterstorff, he weeps for a future that will never occur because his son's life was cut short by a tragic accident. I mean, the weeping of Jesus is, is a reminder that to follow him on the way means that we, too, will shed tears on the way. 
We too will weep not only because of inevitable suffering due to the, the brokenness of creation, but because of love. And nothing is wrong with that in the life of faith. To nurture a spirituality of weeping is a faithful way to follow Jesus. I mean, tears may be viewed as a, a symbol of weakness in some parts of the church where there's an overemphasis on toughness rather than tenderness. And sometimes our hearts have become so hard. But when you follow Jesus, this human Jesus, this weeping Jesus, tears are a sign of spiritual strength and honesty and vulnerability and Christ-likeness. I mean, most of all, it reveals your connection to the love of Jesus and how he loved others so deeply. When we weep for that which is lost and loved, we reflect the life, the heart, and the love of Christ. It's the easiest scripture in the Bible probably to memorize. Jesus wept. When you say that with me, Jesus wept. I mean, notice that Jesus weeps as he's nearing the cross. He's on his way to the cross, and in another gospel, we, he weeps over Jerusalem because he loved that city so much, even though they didn't understand and were embattled. He weeps for those he loves, and the logic of his love leads to a cross. Not everyone understands that logic of God's love. Not everyone understands grief and how one's heart can rest on it like a pillow, making grief, tears, and the, the foundation for one's heart. And we know there's so much grief in our society these days over the loss of life or the loss of a way of life or over what once was and will most likely never be again? I mean, maybe there's grief over all of the societal polarization, and so we weep. There are many tears being shed in this season of the world, but some of it is because we love. And when you love so deeply, you will weep. The prophet Jeremiah wept over the destruction of his people whom he loved. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick for the hurt of my poor people. I hurt, I mourn, and dismay has taken hold of me. Oh, that my head were a spring of water, he says, and my eyes a fountain of tears, so that I might weep day and night for the slain of my poor people. Weeping is a faithful practice in the Christian life. And Jesus shows weeping is a form of love. And even for him, whether it be a close friend or a hurting city, his tears are a pillow for his love. A love for the other, for all the saints and, and even sinners. There was a woman in a city who was a sinner. And having learned that Jesus was in a Pharisee's house, she, she brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind Jesus at his feet 
weeping and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. And then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with ointment. Eventually, Jesus tells those present, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. Ironically, she weeps because of her love for Jesus and washes his feet with her tears, but it's Jesus who washes her life clean. Our weeping is like a river to a new day. Even when tears are are shed at weddings or funerals or, or graduation ceremonies, often it is because of love and loss. There's a loss at all of these gatherings because it's a transitional moment from the way it was to the way it is and will be. One sheds tears at these events, even weeps, because something new is being born in those times. The old is passing away. It's a a new day. Like what happened to the sinner woman, St. Ephraim, the Syrian, the fourth century doctor of the church, taught that tears were sacramental signs of divine mercy. And he instructs, give God weeping and increase the tears in your eyes. Through your tears in God's goodness, the soul which has been dead will be restored. Tears are a prelude to something new being born in our lives. And what we discover with Jesus is that his tears also sow seeds of a future that is new life and freedom. Just as Lazarus is resurrected, and unbound. What we learn is that weeping is the precursor to wonder and awe. The water that flows from our souls and eyes is is not in defeat but in hope that something new will rise like the body of Lazarus. All of our weeping in the Christian life, our weeping are the waters of our baptism in the spirit flowing from our soul. And this is the same spirit that hovered over the waters at creation in Genesis. Wherever the spirit is, there is life and freedom and newness. Our tears are a sight of the spirits brooding in our lives for a new creation to emerge. So as Jesus weeps, the spirit is at work hovering so that Lazarus can arise to new life and freedom. We shouldn't underestimate our own weeping these days because it is the sower of seeds in the soil of God's future for us, which is one of new life, one of resurrection, one of freedom, a day, as we've heard, when death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. COVID will be no more. Weeping will wither away as God makes all things new. Our earthly weeping leads to the wonder of a new heaven and a new earth as described in Revelation. And in the new Jerusalem, the tears flowing from our eyes now 
become the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of that city. We weep for a future yet seen. But our weeping means something new is on the horizon. And through our weeping in the spirit, God loves the new into existence, making all things new, making a new normal, making a a new way forward for us that we've never quite imagined. It's difficult because our weeping, even Jesus' own weeping, is full of sorrow. And so there's, there's grief to bear. Yet there's also love. And through love, a new world can be born and and a wedding feast can be prepared at a table that we call the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. So until we understand it better by and by, we continue to praise in the face of death and loss and uncertainty in these times. We continue to praise because we love God and praise of God includes tears. Poet and priest George Herbert reminds us of this in a poem called Praise. I have not lost one single tear, but when mine eyes did weep to heaven, they found a bottle there ready to take them in yet of a size that would contain much more. But after thou hadst slipped a drop from thy right eye, the glass was full and more. God has a bottle that collects all of our tears through the years along with his And those tears are never wasted because every drop is a pillow for love. Those tears show how much God loves the world, shows how much God loves us. Jesus loved Lazarus, and he loves all of us who are bound to death, which is why God still weeps for our freedom. As they sang in South Africa during the apartheid, freedom is coming. Freedom is coming. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We will be free one day to join the company of all the saints by the grace of God and hear those words of Jesus, unbind them and let them go. Thanks be to God for the gift of tears that fell from the face of Jesus because of his undying love. We remember and thank Jesus, not only because he wants the best for us, but because he saves us. Amen.